Time with your host, Coach Danielle McCartney. You can follow her work on Twitter at Coach McCartney. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Good morning, everybody. This is 60 Minute Overtime, Spring 2017, Episode 13. Yes, Unlucky 13. Today is April 23rd, 2017. I'm your hostess, Danielle McCartan, taking you through the best and the most recent things in all of sports, professional sports, and some college stuff this week. Uh, today's guests are going to be Devin McCourty, New England Patriots wide, rec- wide receiver. <laughs> no, he's a cornerback. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, and he's most recently won Super Bowl 51. He'll be joining us today. And also high school senior Becca Longo. She's the first female to sign up to play football with a D2 school or higher. I'm sure you've seen her in the news I, I all week. Uh, all kinds of news, not just Arizona news, local news. It was on ESPN. Her, and, and she explained it to you. So I had the uh, opportunity to speak with her over the phone as she was driving back home from her new school, a visit to her new school. Uh, also, commentary from my interviews with Mohamed Sanu, Atlanta Falcons wide receiver, Henrik Lundqvist, New York Rangers goaltender, and Ryan Grant, who is a Super Bowl winning uh, Green Bay Packer. Topics today, we have a lot to cover. Let's uh, talk about first, we're going to do uh, Benvenuti. The Michigan Wolverines have landed in Italy today. NHL playoffs talk with a focus on the New York Rangers will be up next, followed by my What the F story of the week. 60-Minute Overtime Sports Minute. Take a little break there. A little pause. Uh, interview with Becca Longo, as I said. Interview with Devin McCourty. Next question to you guys is going to be, do you support a crackdown on the touchdown dances from football players in the NFL? My f- Then we'll wrap the show up with my first-round draft pick for the New York Jets. My first-round draft pick for the New York Giants. Okay, you can follow my work on www.prosportsrundown.com. Where else? Twitter, at Coach McCartan. YouTube, go to search bar and type in Coach, space, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on there. SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan. iTunes podcast, Coach McCartan there. iTunes radio, type 60-minute overtime. That is under the show's name, not mine. And play.google.com for you Android users. That will be under Coach McCartan with no spaces. Okay, video simulcast right now. I hope I'm in the frame on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, and on Twitter and on Periscope. And you, guys. So the phone number to call in, let me hit you with that real quick. 601-825-1234. Got something to say? Call the studio, 201-825-1234. And the Michigan Wolverines have landed in Roma, Italia. Coach Jim Harbaugh, his staff, and 99 Michigan Wolverines landed about two hours ago. What time is it? Eh, a little over two hours ago in Rome, Italy for a week of practice. Uh, here's here's the scope of the trip. It's supposed to be an intense uh, training trip for these guys. Uh, the a level of planning that went into this is astounding to me. I looked it up this morning. Uh, first of all, there was an anonymous donor that donated money to send over 100 people to Italy. Uh, clothes included, uh, flights, everything's included in this trip. Also, it uh, helped plan by uh, Giulio Onesti Olympic Center, which is going to be their practice site. AS Roma, which is their Serie A uh, soccer team. 
the Italy's American Football Federation, and yes, the Vatican. The Vatican helped get the Michigan Wolverines to come to Italy. Yes, you heard that right. There was a live report on ESPN this morning. Wilton Spite, he was talking with the host. He's their quarterback. And uh, the host asked him on ESPN this morning, live, walking through this park, what are you doing there? You know, what is the mission? What is the point of being there? Uh, And he said, uh, I'm going to paraphrase here, but he said, we met with Iranian refugees. We taught an Iranian kid how to throw a football. We'll watch a gladiator film, and then we'll go paintballing. What? Wait a minute. You hear, like, a record scratching in the background? Like, what? Listen, I love the idea of spreading awareness about the game of football, especially to Italy. However, I uh, I don't understand. I don't understand how a kid like to, you know, regardless of what the itinerary is, these kids were not coached into what to expect when they got there. They're going to watch a gladiator film and go paintballing in Rome? Right. Someone just said, this sounds like a free trip to Italy. Yeah, it does. Yes, it does. And, and they're, but they're missing the whole cultural relevance of this entire trip. Like I said, I love the idea of spreading awareness about American football, especially to Italy. Okay? This trip has already missed the mark, in my opinion. They're only going to be there for three days of practice. Not to mention the fact that Coach Harbaugh's kid will be baptized in the Vatican, presumably by the Pope, as well as his other son or daughter, I forget, his other kid, is going to be given First Communion from the Pope as well, presumably, also at the Vatican. Not sure if this was a personal agenda trip for Coach Harbaugh, but mm, to me this sounds like a uh, an unfair recruiting technique over another poorer school that can't afford to do this. I want to know who the anonymous donor is because they better not have used school funding for this trip because it's not the responsibility of the students that are there to learn and get a degree and get a career outside of football to fund this free trip to Italy international i think i believe this is one of the first of the kind of its kind they uh they have never gone to Italy i don't think but this needs to be looked into for sure. Yes, I agree. Of course, we're gonna, they're going to get to go, and then we'll find out all, all the, the dirt behind this, I believe. But listen, I'll say it again. I have no problem with spreading the game of football internationally. I, have no, I definitely have no problem with it going to Italy. Parlo Italiano, right? And the other thing is this. If, if you're going to have a great cultural experience in Italy... You're not going to be watching the Gladiator film. You're not going to go paintballing in Italy. Actually, of all the times I've been to Italy, I've never seen a paintball arena, to be honest with you. Why watch a Gladiator film? You can watch reenactments all over Rome. You can even go to the Colosseum, and guess what? Get a history lesson of how it actually happened. Huh? And the fact that you're teaching Iranian refugees how to throw a football is way off the mark, and we can get into this too if you want. But Italy has a... uh, a big problem with illegal immigration. And if you're going to spread the game of football to Italy, why don't you teach an Italian kid how to throw a ball? If not, then why don't you just go to Iran? Why don't you just take a, an international trip to Iran to teach those kids how to play? Huh? Right? 
So for me, this this Michigan Wolverines trip is uh, completely and totally off the mark. And um, it's unfortunate because this trip could have been really, really good. The whole thing is strange. There's an anonymous donor. This is the first of its kind. Harbaugh's trying to get bend the rules a little bit in terms of what's allowed for a spring practice and what's not allowed. And it just it just doesn't sit well with me. And these kids should be, you know, maybe having to take an Italian lesson or two before they go, get a history lesson on what to expect, you know, all that stuff. An educational trip, as as he as Co- Coach Harbaugh explained, it was doesn't sound like it. Sounds like a personal trip with 99 Michigan Wolverines to go along with him. Hey, but that's just me. So you've been hearing that music all week for the past week or two. The NHL playoffs are upon us. There have been over 15 games to go into overtime so far this season. Uh, First, uh, one of them, the Ottawa Senators and the Boston Bruins. Then the Bruins win with a goal in the second. The double overtime by Sean Corrali forced to game six, which is going to be today, Sunday at at 3 p.m. Also, the Washington Capitals defeated the Toronto Maple Leafs 2-1 in another overtime game. There was a, uh, in that game I was watching, there was a dirty hit, dirty, dirty hit on Capitals Alex, Alex Ovechkin. And if you don't know who he is, I'm sure you've heard his name in a couple rap songs. That's when you know you've made it big. Alex Ovechkin has been in a couple songs. He can't, He went out, he was looked at by the trainers, but he will be back. He will play in game six today at 7 p.m. His effectiveness, the extent of his injury, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it was ever disclosed, but I don't know what it is. Um, no, someone just said knee to knee hit. No, I he was he was skating, and a, a defender just head dove at his knees, just dove at his knees, try to take him out, and he, he did. So that was, uh, in my opinion, a very dirty hit by the Toronto Maple Leafs on uh, the best player in the NFL. I mean, in the NHL, certainly on the Capitals, in my opinion. Uh, someone said they still won without Ovechkin. Um, he did come back though. He did come back and play in that game. He wasn't out for the game. The St. Louis Blues defeated the Minnesota Wild 4-3 to in Minnesota to advance in the playoffs. The Wild were eliminated in the overtime thriller. So if you are even just a casual hockey fan, this season particularly is for you. These games are exciting. These guys are playing with a lot of grit. It's a direct, uh, I can never say this word, juxtaposition of the NBA. Uh, NBA, you don't see a lot of grit nowadays and. Uh, these hockey guys are really laying it all on the line, and it's exciting. It's exciting to watch, even if you're just the most the, the casual hockey fan. And of course, if you're a New York Rangers fan, I'm Henrik Lundqvist, goaltender for the New York Rangers, and you're listening to Danielle McCartan on 60 Minute Overtime. Henrik Lundqvist, one of the best goaltenders to ever play the game. Yes, for you guys streaming online, I am wearing his T-shirt, King Lundqvist, Hen- King Henrik. <laughs> He's been having a really great series here. Uh, Rangers, they played last night. Uh, first of all, here's how the game went. 
the Canadians won the first period. As a coach, I always tell my players to win the first whatever chunk of time it is. So the Canadians, the Montreal Canadiens, did win the first period. They outshot the Rangers 11-6 to during the first period, which resulted in a score of one nothing Canadians at the end of that. It was a chippy game right from the beginning. Uh, lots of extracurriculars after the whistle, some cross-checks to the throat, um, punches, fights, I mean... It looks like when the Rangers play the Canadians, it looked like a boxing match. <laughs> Pretty much every couple of minutes, there'd be a fight on the ice. Matt Zuccarello, they went in. They went in uh, at the end of the first period. Matt Zuccarello comes back out, netted the game tying goal and the go-ahead goal in the second period for the Rangers, and they never looked back from there. The game tie came within the first couple minutes of the period, which, you know, for me, that, that represents good planning in the locker room. Someone said, that's what you expect from old rivals. That's right. Uh, as you know, Matt Zuccarell comes out within, I, I, would, I didn't look at the clock, but I would say within two to three minutes they had a game-tying goal. That's a result of good planning. Someone is paying attention on that bench over there, and that's good coaching, that's good game planning, to be able to recognize within the first period a weakness in the defensive scheme of the Canadiens and to go right after it, to exploit it, right after the, the, the period begins, I think was excellent. And Matt Zuccarello, he had, an, he had an outstanding game. and He's one of the guys that always likes to fight, so he's exciting to watch. He's very into the game. He's a very emotional player. So at the end of period two, two to one Rangers is what it was. And as the game you know, went on, went on, defense is making some stops. Henrik Lundqvist looks like, like an acrobat <laughs> in the goal crease. The Canadians pulled their goalie. With 1.30 left in the game, which is sort of standard practice. And, uh, you know, to, they, what they do is they pull the goalie in order to put another offensive player on, on, on the ice. But there comes Derek Steppen. He netted a 169-foot-long goal. And for those of you who don't really know what that means, it means he shot it from one end of the ice to the other, and it uh, went in. There was no goalie, and it went in. That was, I think, with 17 or 16 seconds left in the game, and that was it. That put the Canadians on ice. Huh? See what I did there? It was a physical series. There were fights, by and large. Henrik Lundqvist was excellent. And uh, let's hear from Henrik Lundqvist real quick about um, cementing his legacy as one of the best goaltenders of all time. This is uh, myself and Henrik Lundqvist real quick. You're one of the best goaltenders of all time. Do you feel now that you would need a Stanley Cup to cement your legacy forever? I don't think about my legacy when I play. The only thing I think about is, is try to win, and I want it badly. I mean, that's my goal. That's my dream. That's why I go to work every day to try to improve my game and, and try to help this team to win. Now, uh, I, yeah, that's, I had a, a fan question come in. He wants to know, he's very concerned, would you ever consider leaving New York in order to pursue the ring? No. Good. No. Very uh, good. New York is my home, and, and you know they've been giving me this great opportunity to play a lot of hockey. And I, I, I like to say, everybody, I, I love every second being here, uh, being part of this organization, and, and uh, so my goal is to stay here. Absolutely. So the King, this might be the year. This might be the year where Henrik Lundqvist comes down with the Stanley Cup title. And listen, if the offense can can pull its own weight. For sure. That would help, but he's the best since Martin Brodeur, yes. Not a hockey fan, can't you tell? This guy's saying he only likes um, ice in his drinks. 
Fair enough. <laughs> Billy Smith, greatest goaltender ever in New York City. Let's go Rangers. LGR, hashtag LGR. That's right. And uh, again, this is streaming on Periscope at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. In my opinion, the Rangers were clearly the better team in this series. Uh, we're 20 seconds away from not needing this game. I believe it was in game two where the Canadians just squeaked the goal in right at the end and uh, I believe that forced it to overtime then they lost. But in my opinion, this uh, this game wasn't even necessary. So the Rangers were the better team and they were moving on in the playoffs. And more on that in a little while. Okay, what the f <laughs> This is my weekly segment, What the F Story of the Week. Here it is. Did you know and did you hear that the Miami Marlins are going to build a nine-foot-tall Jose Fernandez statue in front of Marlins Park? Let's, let's clap it up there for the, the Miami Marlins to build a statue to commemorate a drunk cokehead. Hmm? I get it. I get it. He's a Cuban immigrant, made it to the MLB. It's a dream come true, a rags to riches dream come true. But it's an awful idea. It's overkill. It's an emotional decision to um, enshrine a guy that wasn't the best role model, if you ask me, and I've said it on here before. Here's a statement from Marlins President David Sampson. He says, quote, People make mistakes. Mistakes have consequences. But it doesn't change what Jose meant to the Marlins, what he meant to Miami, what he meant to the cum. Whatever that is. The fact that he will always be a Marlin, that doesn't change. When you love somebody, you love them when things are good and when things are bad. Well, I'm going to tell you, it got really bad. When he crashed his boat, he was drunk, he was high on cocaine, he had a pregnant, unmarried girlfriend when he drove a boat at top speed over a jetty of rocks in Miami. He killed two other innocent people, which were his friends. And then one of the fathers of, of those guys came out and, and criticized the Marlins, saying the move was, quote, troubling. So, in my opinion, Jose Fernandez is no hero. He's no role model. They do not need to enshrine him with a, a nine-foot-tall statue outside of the Miami Marlins Stadium. Why should people worship him? If anybody can tweet me a response or, or send me a comment here, why is this a good idea? Because as far as I know, it's never going to be a good idea. You're not going to hear about you know, what kind of a... He, they, they tried to say that he played with a boyish love for the game. Well, I can name about 10 players that played with a boyish love for the game. Someone just said, yeah, even the Joe Paz statue was taken taken down. Joe, that's Joe Paterno down there in... Uh, out there in Penn State. Yeah, even that was taken down. So this is an awful idea. This is an awful idea on the part of the Miami Marlins. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish with this. I, I, you know... It, it, it leaves me scratching my head. I really have no idea. So it's time for the 60-minute overtime hurry-up offense presented by Seat Swap. Sixty-minute 
In NHL news, the New Jersey Devils and the New York Islanders both missed the playoffs this season. The New York Rangers clinched their spot in the quarterfinals after a 3-1 win against the Montreal Canadiens, winning the series 4-2. Derek Steppen sealed the deal with a 169-foot empty net goal in the final seconds. The Rangers will play the winner of the Bruins versus Senators. On TV today, in terms of NHL playoffs, we have the Senators at the Bruins at 3 p.m. and the Capitals at the Maple Leafs at 7 NBA playoffs. New York Knicks and Brooklyn Nets have both missed the playoffs this season. In Knicks news, Carmelo Anthony and wife Lala have announced their split after his mistress has come forward saying that she is pregnant. We are awaiting the results of a paternity test. In the meantime, Melo and Lala are set to be working out a custody agreement for their son. Chicago Bulls guard Rajon Rondo is out indefinitely with a thumb fracture. His Bulls lead the Boston Celtics 2-1 in the first round of the playoffs. In his career in the playoffs, he is good for 38 minutes a game. He has a 65% free throw percentage and 15 points per game. Tip-off for Game 4 tonight is set for 6.30 p.m. from the United Center in Chicago. On TV today, we have Game 4 matchups all over the NBA. Cavaliers at Pacers kick it off at 1 p.m. Rockets at Thunder, 3.30. Celtics at the Bulls at 6.30. And the Clippers at the Jazz at 9 p.m. In MLB news. Madison Bumgarner suffered a sprained AC joint in his left, yes, throwing shoulder and bruised ribs after a dirt bike accident in the San Francisco's day off in Denver. The injury forced him to the disabled list for the first time ever in his career. His absence could last weeks. Yesterday, the Yankees routed the Pirates in Pittsburgh 11-5. Aaron Judge belted his sixth home run of the season, a towering 457-foot blast. It was tied for third longest in Yankees history since the stat was began kept in 2009. It tied Alex Rodriguez. He hit four, a 448-foot moonshot in Wednesday night's game at home versus the Chicago White Sox. The 11-6 Red Hot Yankees take on the 7-10 Pirates today in Pittsburgh at 1.35 p.m. Eastern. Yesterday, the Mets fell to the Nationals 3-1. The Mets have been struggling with injuries. The Grom was scratched from his start Friday due to a sore neck. Travis Darno is battling a wrist injury. Lucas Duda and Wilmer Flores are headed to the 10-day DL as well. The, Nets will, the Mets will get a shot at redemption against the Nationals tonight on Sunday Night Baseball. ESPN presented their Emmy Award-winning 30 for 30 Mike and the Mad Dog Friday night at the Tribeca Film Festival. Mike Francesa's longtime producer, Brian Monzo, tweeted, Really enjoyed the Mike and the Mad Dog 30 for 30. Just brought me back to a simpler time. No Twitter, your newspaper, and 1 p.m. on the Fan 660. Stellar. The documentary is set to air on Thursday, July 13th on ESPN. And finally, in NFL news, complete schedules were released this past Thursday. The New York Giants have to play four teams that are directly coming off a of bye week. Mike Greeny from ESPN's Mike and Mike called it an obvious and blatant disadvantage. And the New York Jets only have one game in primetime, a home game against the Buffalo Bills on Thursday night football. Color Rush. I'm Danielle McCart, and that was your 60-minute overtime hurry-up offense. This is Anthony Fasano from the Tennessee Titans. You're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on 90.3 FM. So speaking of football, it was a pleasure to have interviewed Becca Longo. She's a high school senior. She's the first female to sign with a D2 school or higher and to play football. She's a kicker from Arizona, and she's been the talk of national news outlets all week. Um, I caught up with her for a quick interview last uh, Saturday, about a week ago. It's very good news for women in sports all over this country. So here's myself and uh, the newest 
college recruit, NCAA football player, female, Becca Longo. I'm honored to be joined by Becca Longo, high school senior, a kicker. You may have seen her in the news all week as the first woman to sign with a D2 school or higher to be a football kicker at Adams State University. First off, congratulations. Thank you. So uh, first, I got to ask you, who is your favorite football team? You're from Arizona, correct? Is it the Cardinals? It is the Cardinals. I love my boys. So now, what do you think about the Denver Broncos tweeting you? Welcome to Colorado now. That was crazy. I'm going to have to start watching for them. <laughs> and uh, even Brandon McManus, I think he was first, right? He, t- he said, yeah. I'm going to be becoming the first female kicker to earn a college scholarship. Welcome to Colorado. That's pretty cool. That was crazy. <laughs> my phone's been blowing up. <laughs> I think you've tripled your, your Twitter followers in the past three days. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> How did this first come about? Um, I saw an interview. You had said that you put together a highlight reel and just kind of shopped it around. I did. I sent it to a few schools, and Adam State was one of them, and they uh, replied back to me. And then the offensive coordinator came down to my school and wanted to meet me in person and then invited me out on a visit, and I went on the visit in early February, and I just fell in love with the school. And what was it about this school over any of the other ones? Just the feeling I got when I was there. I really felt like everybody was so warm and welcoming, and I felt like I really belonged. You know, that's another question. Have you met any of the guys on the football team yet? I have. I have, actually. They're really cool. Supportive and everything? Yes, I love it. Because the, the thing I'm, I'm thinking of is, like, being in the same locker room as them, how is that going to work for you out there? I don't have to be in the same locker room. I have my own. Special. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cool. Now, did you ever play soccer, or how did you pick up football? I did. I used to play soccer um, for a long, long time, and then I just got really tired of it. Uh, but it all really started... Well, my brother was 17, and I was 6, and so, like, there's not really much a 17 and a 6-year-old are going to have in common, Um, and so, like, I just remember from my childhood always being in the backyard and throwing the football with him, and so that's how it all really started, and he had a girl on his football team, so every time I would go to his football games, I'd see her, and I just, like, grew up being inspired by her. You must have been a pretty good soccer player, I would imagine. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess... (laughs) <laughs> Better football. What's the, the farthest field goal you've ever nailed? Uh, 50 yards in practice. 50 yarder. Oh, my God. Now, is the goalposts are a little narrower in college, correct? Correct. Have you been practicing with that? Yeah, I've been training with arena goalposts, which are even narrower than college, so really working on the accuracy now. Do you eventually have NFL aspirations? Um... I really, I just got this goal, and I haven't really made a new goal yet, so I don't know. I guess we'll have to see in the future. Do you feel that there's, I mean, you've been doing the the media tour of, you know, the country, and as a high school senior, do you feel like any other pressure added to you on on because of all this attention you've been getting? Um, I don't really feel pressure. I just feel overwhelmed with it all. Uh, just because it is so crazy right now. It's so much has happened in the last three days. And give us a, a sense of the extent of, of the tour you've been doing over the past three days. Um, plastered all over ESPN, um, CNN, Good Morning America, a number 
number of radio shows and local uh, news stations, newspapers. I mean, I've done at least 35 interviews in the last 48 hours. Have any classmates began uh, asking you for autographs or teachers? <laughs> yes. On my uh, The day after I signed, a bunch of people at my school were asking me, like, can, can I take a picture with you really quick before you're famous? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. You better get used to that. Yeah. Now, you know, little girls are going to be watching you with, uh, you know, un- under a little bit of a magnifying glass. Of what are, like, I guess, what is the microcosm of you? I mean, this is a big deal, but what is the microcosm of that for the impact of, I guess, women in sports or women in football? You obviously want to be able to uh, have girls be interested in the game, right? Yes, I just want them to do what they love, honestly. If they love football, then I want them to go play football. I don't want them to be influenced by what other people say. What do you think about, I mean, have you experienced any haters? I mean, you're pretty on social media. Definitely. Definitely. I've had people tell me, don't look at the comments on this post or um, don't read these comments. And I mean, I don't. And I I pretty much know what they're saying. So I just use that as motivation. Yeah, I I can imagine. And people get a little more emboldened behind a computer screen. You know that. Exactly. Yes. That's ridiculous. Yeah, don't don't listen to the haters. (laughs) Yeah, I won't. (laughs) How did the coach, you know, initially approach you? Because does he have daughters of his own, the coach? I'm wondering. He does. He does have daughters of their uh, of his own, um, and one of them plays hockey. Super cool. She wants to play football also. Actually, all the coaches at Adams have a bunch of little girls. It's really funny because they're all so involved with the football team. All the players love them. They're always at every single game on the sidelines. Super adorable. Now, are you going to get to wear your uh, number four? Um, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> And what are you going to be majoring in at school? Sports management. Sports management. And eventually, if football doesn't work out, you're thinking... You know, I haven't gotten that far down the road. <laughs> I just want to wish you the best of luck because you know what? When I was little, I always wanted to play football. It's so cool for you to, to take this step, and, and I'm very proud of you. And, uh, and good Thank luck. I, I'll be keeping an eye on you from here for sure. <laughs> Thank you. So as myself and Becca Longo, you see, you see. Um, she's just excited. She's just living in the moment. Actually, last night she was just pe- playing in uh, Larry Fitzgerald's um, charity softball event. It was like NBA players, NFL players, and Becca Longo. So I'm sure she that was very cool for her. She was signing autographs. I saw some pictures of her signing autographs on the, on the side um, before the game had started. So very cool. Rooting for her, for sure. Now, uh, next up is going to be my interview with two-time Super Bowl-winning New England Patriot, Devin McCourty. A couple things we talked about were the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. I couldn't not ask him that. Um, Him not wanting to visit the White House. We talked about the Las Vegas Raiders. Is Darrell Rivas still a cornerback, or is he a safety? Of course, Rutgers football, and a couple other things sprinkled in here and there. And here's myself, Danielle McCartan, and New England Patriot, Devin McCourty. I'm Danielle McCartan here from Bullmore Lanes and Chelsea Piers at another McCourty Twins event. This is, I think, our third together. It's cool. Um, so listen, we look around, we see all these Rutgers guys. You've kept the family, you and your brother, have kept the family quite tight over the years. What is it like to you know, have them keep showing up to events like this? Oh, it's cool, man. I think it's an easy way for all of us to connect. Um, it's a night out without being a night out. So yeah. um, we've, we've enjoyed it ever since Brian you know, really started this event a couple years ago. Um, guys have come out and supported, and then, 
you know, what myself and Jason put on an event, guys come. So, you know, whenever someone puts on an event, you can count on the Rutgers guys being yeah. there. And I think it just shows that we all had a genuine relationship while we were at school right. that we've continued just to build on that now, um, sharing advice about being dads, husbands. So uh, it's been great friendships built. Now, are you a good bowler? Because was that you this morning talking some smack on Twitter? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm rusty. Back in college, we used to go every week. Oh, yeah? So my high back then was, I think, 208. Well, that's pretty good. So um, hopefully I tap back into that. You know, sometimes you have a flashback and you get hot. <laughs> so um, with the pressure on, that's what I'm expecting for myself. Yeah, I still need bumpers, so I don't know, I don't know about that. <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but uh, So listen, Rutgers was the most represented school in the Super Bowl this year. What is going to be the, the trickle-down to the current program at Rutgers now, having that? Um, I just hope it's encouragement to... You know, no matter what other people outside of the building think of Rutgers, um, powerhouse, non-powerhouse, to just keep going. You know, I think these guys are in better hands than when we were there. You know, they're in the Big Ten. Uh, they play in big games. They're playing against some of the top teams in the country every week. You know, when we were there, we were in the Big East where people didn't consider a really good football conference really bad. And we had the most guys in the Super Bowl. And I, I think that just shows that we had a lot of guys who were hungry, went to Rutgers for a reason, to be the first guys to do a lot of different things. And we just continue to build on that. And whether it's, you know, the wave of guys like myself, Jay, Brian, Westerman, Zuta, or the next wave of Duran, Logan, and uh, Coleman, Sanu, those guys have just kept, kept doing it. So we just need the next wave to keep doing the same thing and just pass it down. You're not even in the view, bro. <laughs> That's why I'm, it's that's, wide, that's why it I'm might be wide, wide lens. It might be wide lens. This is my time. Where you going anyone. already? Yeah, but you got Super Bowls. I don't. <laughs> um, so, uh, listen. Speaking of Super Bowls, <laughs> Super Bowl Fifty One, biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. Take me into the locker room. I love this question. Take me into the locker room at halftime. What was said, and and how did that even happen? I feel so bad because everyone asked me that question and nothing was said. Um, you know, I think. Maybe because we had a whole game plan for halftime at the Super Bowl because it's so much different. Right. It's 25 minutes instead of the regular 12 minutes. So Bill had already went over exactly how halftime would go. I'm sure um, he did. So we went in exactly with that. We had five minutes to yourself. Then we would come meet for five to eight minutes with the coaches. Then you had another five minutes by yourself. And then we would come back, meet with the coaches uh, again. And the first time we met was to go over what just happened. Second time is what we're going to do. Um, and that was it. You know, Duran Duran uh, yelled in the locker room, this is going to be the greatest comeback. And, you know, it wasn't like everyone hung on that and we chanted that going out. Yeah. Everyone was like, yeah. You know, I, to me, the biggest thing was we had a group of guys in the locker room that all still believed we could win. Yeah. And that's what showed in the second half. And it, it helps that a lot of you guys have done this before. Yeah. Right? And we had a lot of experience in the game. Um, but it, it was to me, it was more of a belief, and it was the right way for the the way this season was with Tom being suspended, you know, trading God. So many different things happened during the season to me that that was the game. That's how it was supposed to end for us. Overcoming adversity. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. All right. So if we could talk a little bit about the White House, I know you said you weren't going, but the team is going on April 19th. Now, this is the first professional team to go under the Trump presidency. The Cubs rushed in for for Obama. Um, how do you think the public's going to perceive the, the Patriots' visit? Is it? I don't, I don't know. How is this going to go? I don't know. I think a lot of it's being blown out of proportion, so yeah. it's going to be perceived in a dramatic fashion, sure. no matter which way it goes. Um, 
for me, it's not a big deal. You know, I just don't want to go to the White House, so I'm not going. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, obviously with all the events and different things that have gone on in the country, you know, this is the, the first kind of big thing where a sports team is going. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think there's so many other things going on that's important in the world that it's not really important to worry about the White House. But, you know, when the time comes, it's going to be what it's going to be. Um, you know, I, I think guys have decided whether they're going or not going. I think it's a personal really feeling, you know, if you want to go, I think you should go no matter what anybody else is doing. I think if you don't want to go, you should do the same thing, not go. So, um, you know, like we haven't even talked about it. Like guys haven't talked. Yeah, that's it's not that serious. You know, I think yeah. it's just independent uh, guys making their own decision. Right. Now, I'm sure everybody was accepting of you. Now, during not, not wanting to go. During, like, the right after the election, I mean, the inauguration, you guys are playing the Super Bowl, like, the next week, pretty much. Were politics discussed at all, or is that something you leave at the door? Um, a little bit, but guys, guys generally try not to talk about politics and religion, you know, because to me, that's a, like, a, it's an individual thing, and usually when you get into those things, the individual opinions and differences are sometimes so extreme that it gets really bad, and... Honestly, what you believe in doesn't matter to the next person. It only matters to you. So we try to avoid that because it's a bad argument, really, for no reason. Anywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Now, uh, just I'm wrapping up here. As a Pro Bowl uh, winning safety, uh, Super Bowl champion, what tips could you offer? I don't know. Let's say if Darrell Revis tries to switch from cornerback to safety, what are the biggest differences between those two positions? Um, it's really how you view the game. Um, you know, I think as a corner, you're so focused on a matchup, a guy, um, or a zone, which is usually in the flat or deep third. Um, safety is just so much different because a lot of times, especially if you're in the middle, you're covering more space. You're not looking at the game from a corner side view. You have a whole, you know, field view. Um, but then if anybody who moves, to me, you have to use your strengths um, at the new position. You can't move and try to be someone else because that might be what they're good at, even though they might say this is how the position is supposed to be played. If you move, you're moving for a reason. It should play to your strengths. That was the biggest thing I had to learn was when I moved was the things I did well at corner. Obviously, people felt they could translate to safety, so do those things and let that show. So um, it's worked for me, and I think other guys have opportunity. Um, he would have been a great safety if they didn't move him to receiver. Really? He'd have been my safety when I was a corner my senior year. Weren't you a but quarterback too? No, he just didn't throw far. He's not a quarterback. <laughs> I did it all. Glad to see there's no bad blood here, guys. Oh, that's, no. my, that's <laughs> one of my best friends. He was texting after the game. Well, I texted him immediately yeah. after I told him. I said, like, congratulations. A, like, I'm proud as all of you guys. chat going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Joe and Logan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just texted him immediately after the game. It's nothing but love. Honestly, that's what you want. You go to school and you compete with guys. What better way than playing at the high, the biggest game of the year yeah. against some of your friends? Some of your friends, you know? especially like, I mean, me and Logan are college roommates, but me and D-Mac, when we played my freshman year and his senior year, we went against each other every single time in one-on-one. Yeah. So it was like... So if it's not you, you're, you're glad it was yeah. him. Them. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Leading up fun. to it, playing yeah. the game. So, I mean, we yeah. talked the whole time. Yeah. Trash talking. Yeah, it was yeah. Great. Like that's what we do. We did it in college, and then we did it in. You saw him and Logan had the heated grabbing each other's face, man. It was like trying to win out there. I'm really trying to win. You don't know how hard it is to get there. Yeah, it's true. I tell people all the time that once you get there, you honestly don't know if you'll ever be back. Right. You always say we'll be back next year. You don't know. Yeah. But it's really hard. Yeah.
I'll grab him in a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, just is would you say the transition is easy or not so easy? Uh, I think it's a it's a learning curve, but it's I think if it's natural to you, it'll come. Yeah. Um, not everybody can move, you know. Right. Um, some right. guys are just good corners, you know. Like yeah. in my opinion, I think Revis is still a really good corner. Yeah. You know, I think. But the thing is now, there's been enough corners that moved to safety. You know, not just myself, but a ton of guys that have done well. Right. So now, anytime, everyone always wants to. I mean, Jason gets the same thing. People yeah. say he should move to safety. If it works, it works. But if not, just keep being a good corner. Now, have you heard anything about a Revis reunion in New England? Uh, i just seen the things people tweet. Yeah, me too. You never know. know. That's how I find out things <laughs> from too. Twitter. So. All right, my final question. It's going to have to deal with the current event. Well, two, actually. You're a basketball guy, right? Yeah. Who do you have winning your bracket? Um, I didn't do a bracket, but um, it's hard. I always I always say I'm going to do a bracket. Um, but I think, honestly, it's going to be between Kansas and North Carolina. I think they're the two hottest teams. Um, whichever one gets in the finals, I think they're just tough. You know, I think UCLA is tough, too. But um, I like, you know, you watch what Kansas did last night. Purdue was in the game, and the game ended up, you know, I think 25-point game. You know, they're just so talented, and to get up and down the court, they're tough. I had Duke. Yeah. Fuck it. I never picked Duke. I'm, a, I'm always a Tar Heel oh, over Duke. Man. Okay, so my last question is, current event now, Monday, the vote is going to be uh, for the Raiders to move to Vegas or not. They're, I'm sure it's going to stall, but it seems to be that, that it's going to happen, it seems to be, and, and your owner is behind it. Robert Kraft is pretty much behind it. What would you think? Like, you are the opposing team. You're coming into Vegas. Is it a good thing? You know, what, what are your thoughts it's on that? It's great for opposing team. You don't have enough time there, and even if you do, you won't get in that. It's a bad for the home team, you know. Yeah. It's tough to be successful in Vegas. <laughs> um, I always say I think Miami's a tough place too. You know, those cities that any day of the week you can go do something for young guys, that's tough. Yeah. Um, but I think it would be cool, you know, to have a team in Vegas, um, be there for some uh, opposing team coming in, places to eat, things to do. Uh, we would be the team you go in, you can't gamble. So um, that won't be a big deal for uh, players. But uh, I think it would be exciting. I would love it because we would probably can't beat that. So we, we should move this to the pool parties in yeah, Vegas. Yeah, I know. I'll be there. <laughs> all right, I'll let you go. I know there's a lot of people you have to go and see. But, no, all right, appreciate I'm David you McCord. having Appreciate you coming. Devin McCordy, thank you. Thanks for having me every time. This no, is no, great. No problem. We'll see you at the, uh, the football camp over yeah, the summer. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I want to bring my cleats. So <laughs> okay, okay, I'm ready for that. <laughs> all right, let's do it. All right, thanks. And uh, if you think I'm joking, I will bring my cleats to that. I'm going to have a race with him. We'll see. I'm going to beat him. <laughs> You know what? I was interested in talking about the White House with them. As you know, Patriots just went to the White House to visit uh, tr uh, President Trump, and they tried to. They tweeted. The New York Times tweeted a photo saying that there were not a lot of players in involved. That the I'm sure you've seen it. The photo on the steps of everybody standing there. However, the Patriots came out and quoted quoted the tweet and said that was that's fake news. Standing in that photo the last time we were here were executives and coaches and trainers and things like that. The official account of the New England Patriots is calling out the New York Times in terms of fake news. But that got me thinking because I had interviewed Ryan Grant a while back and, and you might know him from you know, around here, New Jersey. I believe he went to Don Bosco if I'm not mistaken. But he had gone to the White House and the Packers had won the Super Bowl, I think, twice in his tenure. And it was interesting because I was kind of taken aback by what he told me about going to the White House way back. And this is under the Obama White House. So here's Ryan Grant, and let's talk about it. Obama, President.
President Obama? Yes, I did. So yes, what was I that did. like? He's a diehard Bears fan, and it's a division rival. Was that ever awkward down there? Uh, it was, no, it wasn't awkward. He, you know, he, he gave his little jabs here and there and everything, but um, it was cool. You know, it was an it was a interesting experience. We had to wait a long time, but it, it was cool though. I'm glad I did it. So I don't know. If, I don't know if I'd do it again, but no? I'm glad I did it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've experienced it, so I don't know if you're necessarily to experience it twice. I don't know if I need to experience it twice. Well, as we know, the Patriots have won the Super Bowl many times over and over. Maybe it's just lost its luster to go see the White House at all, right? Once you've gone once, isn't it like the same going twice? I, I don't really know. I've never won a Super Bowl. I've never been to the White House inside. So, you know, I'm not really sure, but it sounds like it's not a, as big of a deal as, uh, as it used to be, right? So a new thing coming out from the NFL is that they're going to be celebrating, uh, telling the players how to celebrate their touchdown dances, what's acceptable, what's unacceptable. And that's a, t- a hot topic that I had asked Muhammad Sanu at the Devin McCourty and Jason McCourty bowling event. So here's what Muhammad Sanu, who's known for his dancing in the end zone after he scores, here's what he had to say about touchdown dances and the crackdown. You as a wide receiver, I think this will affect you. Now, they're, they're coming up with this video to show you what kind of touchdown dances you can and cannot do. What do you think about that? I love the dance. You know, I love having the time. I love to entertain people. So it should be interesting. I don't I don't know how I'm gonna feel about it when I see it. So I just hope they don't take out dances I like to do. So he just hopes that they don't take out dances that he likes to do. <laughs> I tell you, the guy's character. So do touchdown dances need to be reeled in? Absolutely not. Touchdown dances do not need to be reeled in. I am the Mohammed Sanu school of thought here. The NFL is seems to be that they are against having fun. There is a crackdown on touchdown dances. Are you kidding me? What about cracking down on the serious stuff that goes around the league? You know, like domestic violence. Why don't you just crack down touchdowns too, Joey Giggles? Because last season, you think about the most memorable one, memorable ones from last season. You got Odell Beckham Jr. doing the Michael Jackson Thriller dance. I believe that was on either Monday Night or Sunday Night Football. Then listen to this one. Ezekiel Elliott's jump into the Salvation Army blow-up collection kettle, if you remember that, down there in Dallas. It was five days before Christmas when that happened. That touchdown dance and that touchdown celebration sent the digital donations up 61% for the Salvation Army only because Ezekiel Elliott decided he was going to jump into the container before Christmas. You know what that equals to? You know how much money that is? That's overnight, $182,000 were donated to the Salvation Army overnight. The NFL didn't find him. Instead, he donated, Ezekiel Elliott, now young guy, he donated, he was a rookie, $21,000 of his own money to the Salvation Army following that. $21 feeds a family for three days. So there are two great examples of touchdown dances. Obviously, Elliot is better than the Odell Beckham. I mean, that's just fun to watch him doing the thriller dance. So why? Yeah, Antonio Brown always gets fine. You're right. Why should players be fined for trying to make the NFL fun again and for doing good? 
Elliott made them $182,000 overnight. Why should players not be allowed to dunk a football through the goalposts? Why should Gronk not be allowed to spike a ball? He's never been fined for that, by the way. That's sort of like delay a game penalty, right? Why can't Terrell Owens sign a football and give it to a fan in the stands when he's got a Sharpie right in his sock? Remember that one? So no, I believe the NFL should not be cracking down on touchdown dances. Let's make the NFL fun again to steal a line from Bryce Harper and the Washington Nationals baseball. The only thing I would say, though, is that since kids are watching, I think that they do need to pull tight reins on, like, lewd or provocative touchdown dances. It's, it's you know, it's, you know, live TV. You get caught up in the moment, but, you know, it's a, it's a family show. You should understand that. That should be outlawed. That should be finable. But, oh, my God, if touchdowns are hard to come by in the NFL, as we know, why not be able to celebrate them? The NFL is worried about ratings. Touchdown dances are going to help. Don't you think? Someone said, keep it creative and fun. Aaron Hernandez making it. Yes. I do. Hey, what about the Jamal Adams dirty bird when he was with the uh, Atlanta Falcons? Remember that? That was all fun. That was all fun in games. It's cool. That became like a, like a, a thing down there in Atlanta. So you do the moonwalk and get fined? Shaking my head. That's right. You do the moonwalk, you get fined. That's right. That's how it works. So in terms of this video that's going to be coming out, the Lambo Leap. Yes. How did I forget about that? The, the Lambo Leap. Exactly. How is that not? So what? what is what is the line between getting uh, fined and, and not getting fined? You get fined for doing what exactly? And then you don't get fined for doing a Lambo Leap, which is a delay game, or spiking the ball, which is delay a game. I don't, I don't understand. And by the way, fining... I don't know if the NFL has noticed, but that's not an effective deterrent to these players that are making millions and millions of dollars a year. To find them $100,000 in fines over the course of a season is just nothing. It's just it's just nothing. It's just a, a, to show that they are trying to do something. Please, if a player, like I said, does a lured or provocative touchdown dance, make them sit. I think they would feel that more than they would feel $100,000 out of their pocket. Make them sit a quarter. Make them sit a game. I don't know. I'm just throwing out ideas here. But that would be more effective, I think, than a fine to begin with. But come on. Like the NBA should let the players play. The NFL should let the (laughs) the touchdown dancers dance. Muhammad Wilkerson, you're listening to 60 Minute Overtime on 90.3 FM. So I had a very special appearance this past week on Friday. I appeared on, oh, I'll just let you listen to it. Here it is. Listen, this is me. I had a guest spot appearance on Friday. Here it is. You're listening to the Moving the Chains Fan Mock Draft, where you, the fans, select who you want on your team. Now, back to the draft room with our moderators, Jim Miller and Pat Kerwin. Five picks in the book, and the New York Jets are on the clock. And our next has been conversing all night with Mike from New Jersey, one of his 10 Facebook fans that think all things New York Jets. So the New York Jets are on the clock. Offensively, finished 26th in the National Football League. Defensively, they were 11th. So let's go out. Is it a quarterback? Mitch 
On the board, running back Leonard Fournette. Gil Brandt thinks he's one of the best picks in this year's draft. He has already fallen out of the top five. So let's go out to the GM of the New York Jets and welcome in Daniel McCartan to the program. Danielle, Jim Miller, Pat Kerwin, yeah. what do you got for your selection? Okay, well, you hit, you hit it on the head. The Jets do not have a good offense. That's, that's no surprise. However, I do not want to take a quarterback in this. I, I do not like Trubinsky. I, I do not want a fourth quarterback, another quarterback controversy for the New York Jets. I'm going to stay away from that. Um, I'm going to go with, for the Jets, a cornerback out of Ohio State, Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore. What did you love so much about Marshawn Lattimore? We know you understand you have a need because you lost Darrell Rivas. What put it over the top for you in, in thinking Marshawn Lattimore? Because there's some other talented defensive backs, but clearly he's been rated number one all through this process. Yeah, I mean, when you look at his 40-yard dash time, he runs a 4.36, which is incredible. That's like running back. Uh, last year I was very high on Darren Lee. Got a couple. Got a little bit of slack for it, but Jets ended up going with him, and he worked out. The guys coming out of Ohio State, for example, Lee and uh, Eli Apple of the Giants. These guys are holding their own in the NFL. So the system that they're in translates directly to the NFL, in my opinion. And this is just one guy that that's going to be able to, to make the jump right away for the Jets, and that's what they need. Danielle, um, when you were thinking about who you're going to pick before this thing started, was yeah. was he two? Was he three? Who's gone that you were hoping to get? No, you know, he was high on my list. You know, it was between him and Trubisky for me. And, you know, just Revis's exit's going to leave a humongous hole in, in the defense. And you can't, defense wins championships. And I know the Jets are far from it, but he's going to be just one piece in the puzzle along the way. Danielle, well done. Beautiful well thought job. out by, by you as well. And went through all the ratings and why she loved Marshawn Lattimore so much. So, uh, yeah, I have Marshawn Lattimore for going to the New York Jets. I was on the Sirius XM NFL Network channel, channel 88, from all the way from New Jersey to California, from Maine to the bottom tip of Texas. You heard my voice picking the New York Jets' sixth overall pick. Like I said, the Jets have so many holes to fill. Um, Marshawn Lattimore is going to fill at just one of them at least. He's the corner university. Looked up a couple of his stuff. This season, he had one reception allowed, 10-plus yards, three interceptions, six passes broken up, one touchdown defensively. Like I said, Ohio State's system directly translates to the NFL. You look at Eli Apple, he had a stellar rookie season. Darren Lee had a great season as well. By the way, I did come on this program 60-minute overtime one year ago, and I chose Lee to go to the Jets. No one was picking him to go to the Jets, and he did. So, and no one had ever really even heard of him. So, the Jets are going to continue to get toasted without a good cornerback, as we've seen with uh, Darrell Revis not being up to snuff here. By the way, this guy, like I said, runs a three point, a four point three six forty yard dash. That's running back speed. That's faster than Christian McCaffrey's speed, and he is a running back. And I said that about Lee too. His speed, uh, Lattimore. They're already calling him Lattimore Island, and uh, he's going to be the next, the league's next lockdown cornerback. You wait and see anyone we have randy zelia joining us now are you mike two or three i'm three all right i'm on mike three there he is all right randy what do you think about the jets do you agree with Lattimore or not i I think that i see here's the thing with the nfl draft and i've always been very very vocal about it you never know what you're going to get they come out look at ryan leaf years and years ago with the dallas cowboys he came out was supposed to be the next big quarterback chargers no no, he came. He was a he was a cowboy. 
Well, I think he, I think he might have gone to the Chargers and then got a second chance with the Cowboys. Maybe but I, I believe he was drafted by. I the think Chargers. He was, you're right. I think you're 100 percent right. I think it was with the Chargers. But here's the thing: you never know because they can be the, the quickest runner. They can be the most talented quarterback. You can be the best lineman coming out of college. Sometimes it just doesn't translate. So you just don't know. As far as the New York Jets are concerned, they have so many needs. They have so many needs. So nothing new. There's, there's nothing <laughs> new. No, but like, okay. So you're a Jet fan. You're, you're not just a, you know, a broadcaster, but just as broadcasters and people who are in this industry, we're all fans too. So I listen to this. This is your pick. What makes you make that pick? Everything I, I was just saying there, because you know, I I do think that the Jets should follow follow the model of an offensive line, uh, Forrest Lamp, for example, Ryan Ramchick, but. Like I said, if, if you really can't score. I mean, you have so many needs. You need a quarterback. You need a running back. You need an offensive line. You need a cornerback. So I is mean, that the top need? Is that the for top me, yeah. need? Okay. So for me, for yes. Your, okay, so in that situation, because what are they doing at the quarterback situation right now? They're, they're, they still have Bryce Petty. They picked up McCowan. Who's starting the season? They don't know. So that's why they should stay far away from any quarterback. Okay, no, that's fair. What like, do you? Well, what do you think? I don't know. For them at this point, I would have, I would have taken a like a, a flyer on, um, on Jay Cutler. To be honest with you. No, in, in terms of the draft. I oh, mean. Well, as far as the draft is concerned, I I think you have a strength in your defense. Your defense was not your biggest issue last year. You couldn't score points. Your quarterback was turning the ball over way too much. That was their biggest issue in my eyes last year. Their defense was just on the field way too long. Rebuilding their offense should be their focus this season. If they don't see at their pick that there's a player that's going to be a difference maker for them. Someone just said Cutler's a joke. You know what? (laughs) I'll be honest with you. For a one-year rental, it would not have been a bad thing because if any of you would have played well, then he would have gotten another opportunity. But sometimes a change of scenery is a good thing for a veteran quarterback. So with the sixth pick in the draft, the New York Jets are selecting, according to Randy Zelia. That's the wrong don't, – don't put that pressure on me. Oh, don't put on. that pressure on me. Where's the sound effect here? You know what that – because I'll tell you why also. Remember, because I've also been doing a lot of research for the, uh, for the other team in New York. Yeah, we'll talk about Giants. All right, let's see. We got the New York Giants, the top pick for the New York Giants. Um, who, who did you have for the Giants? Let's go. With the, I had what, what need? Okay. What need do you see for the New York Giants? I had three picks, and I would be okay with any of the three of them for the okay. Giants. The Giants have the twenty-third overall pick in in the uh, NFL twenty seventeen draft. In my opinion, an offensive pick. They are in a win now mode. Mm-hmm. They are only a couple pieces away. They are wide receivers. They're set. Running backs, they can find one in free agency. They're set. They've got Blunt and Peterson out there. They can easily go get them, especially with the money they're saving with Hankins' departure. So in terms of the draft, I like the Giants going after an offensive lineman. I like Forrest Lamp. He's an offensive guard guard out of Western Kentucky. The guy's 6'4", 309. He's a versatile player. He can play center, tackle, or guard, which is my main reason for selecting him over the other guy. I'll get to in a minute. Forrest Lamp, he's durable. He's strong. He had 34 bench press reps at the Combine. The other guy, if Forrest Lamp is not available, Ryan Ramchick. He's an offensive tackle out of Wisconsin. He's 6'6", 3'10". 
listed as. He did 25 bench press reps at the combine, but he did not participate in any other events. So his commitment, in my opinion, is in question, too, because he started at a small tech school. Instead of playing football, he turned down offers to play football. He had a hip injury, and he had surgery before Wisconsin's bowl game. And that's a red flag for me. But he was steady before that. So the other hole that the Giants need to fill is a big, gigantic deficiency for the Giants team. The line was ranked 20th in the NFL pro football focus. That was Justin Pugh though, was a uh, bright spot for them. He had the top grade overall on their line and the top run-blocking grade, but still half the players in the league were better than him. So this definitely needs some help. It needs to be addressed with the Giants for sure in terms of their their offensive line. And then according to um, Pro Football Focus, they said the Giants may have fielded the worst pair of tackles in the game this season. That's a direct quote. However... I believe if the Giants, if they get down to the 23rd pick, and if Christian McCaffrey is still available, he's a running back out of Stanford, the Giants should take him. He's It's still a needy position. They're filling a need. He's a multifaceted player. He has the most all-purpose yards in a single season, which beats Barry Sanders. Yes, Hall of Fame Barry Sanders' record in NCAA football. Stanford means he's a smart guy. He reminds me, the way he plays is of Julian Edelman-like. He averages 6.2 yards per rush. 21 touchdowns uh, per season, just 12.2 yards per catch, 10 touchdowns a season. The guy ran a 4.48 at the 40-yard dash at the Combine. And a little hometown discount here. Dad was drafted by the Giants in 1991 in the third round and even won a Super Bowl with them. So for me, I go after Christian McCaffrey at running back for the New York Giants in the 2017 draft at the 23rd overall pick. If he is not available, you go Forrest Lamp, first choice, second choice, Ryan Ramchick. Thank you. Someone just <laughs> said, yes, right. You got it, Joey. That's right. And, and to make uh, and to validate your point a little bit more, I had spoken to someone who's been on for Art Stapleton and a few other people who were around the team. And that, that is the general thinking. If you, The Giants' way is to take the best player available, not f- try to fill a position. Which I don't like that. Uh, you know what? And I, th- I think that's why Reese always ends up towing that line for his job. Because he ends up getting good locker room guys and good talented guys, but he does, sometimes he doesn't get the most. He misses out because he's looking at character too much, and that's that's a problem. Because guys like Devin Carnard, who's a good player, but he's not the best player that was available at that point. McCaffrey is a guy I know that is on their board. He's a guy that they are definitely looking at. The running back situation with the Giants is an ugly one, so it's going to be very interesting. But the offensive line is the the primary focus at this point. You mean you can't have? I mean you can't ha- you can have uh, Barry Sanders back there in your backfield, but you can't run the ball if you right. don't have an offensive line. And that's why I felt bad. Yes, me he, too. He just didn't have the offensive line to let him showcase his skills. Right. And now he's also a man without a team as well. But he's too busy dancing right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should see. He looks like he's in tip top shape. So, um, that's what I got for the Giants here. So I would. Uh, is Chris Canty calling in or no? Chris Canty is not, he has not responded back because we wanted to get him in as far as the Giants are concerned. And I also had to make a comment about what you were saying before about the dancing and the football oh, fine. Touchdown dancing. Okay. Oh, uh, <laughs> earlier in the season, Odell Beckham scored a touchdown, uh, took his helmet off, ran up and down the sidelines, and then proposed to the net, if you remember that whole mm-hmm. shenanigan. Mm-hmm. Got fined $10,000 for taking off his helmet in the end zone. I believe it was 10000 or it was 20000 It was one of those two numbers because he got 20000 uh, later in the season as well. Is it a fair fine? I think so. It's a safety issue. 
the safety issue? Okay. No, like, okay. I think so. I, here's my attitude towards it. I, I think you want to inspire. If you want to inspire younger people to want to play the game, right? Make it fun. By doing what they're doing, they have to they have to let these guys be the show their personalities. Of course, but I just think that you know running around taking your helmet off is a, a rule that's taught from little league throughout, and I think that's that's just a safety issue. I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that's a, I agree with that. Fine for sure. But you know, him doing the the dance with uh, the thriller dance that's which, cool, which was cool. By that the way, that was, awesome. was really cool. I think was it Monday Night Football? I think no, it was. he did that against Baltimore. He did that against uh, Baltimore. Then Cincinnati, he did something totally else because Cincinnati was the Monday night game. But, no, yeah, I remember he did, he did it against Baltimore. He did a couple different great dances, which was very, very, very cool. Oh, and um, by the way, I did look up. Ryan Leaf was drafted by the Chargers and in, then at the number two overall pick, pick. in 1998. And that was the, the same year as Manning, right? Peyton Manning was first overall, I believe? I believe so. I think I he was. Let me see. Ryan Leaf was... I, I think you might have been a little, you know, I'm showing my age here by saying it, but... You, you 98, were, I was 10. Yeah, you were Peyton 10. Peyton Manning was, uh, yes, first round yeah. pick that year. Ryan Leaf was like, you know, and Indy was like, you're going to go, you, you can't go wrong with either one type of mentality, and obviously <laughs> the Chargers went really wrong. What um, else is new with the Chargers? Yeah, well, the Los Angeles Chargers, a little bit of a weird thing. Hey, did, did you, um, what did you think of this? You, I heard you earlier in the show talk about the schedules. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the schedules for the two New York teams? Um, hold on. I'm just seeing Odell Beckham celebrated with an excellent thriller dance and didn't get a penalty. This was versus Cincinnati. I see. I'm get, uh, it feels Monday like Night Football. If, you know, I'm, I'm getting my games <laughs> mixed up. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, Cincinnati, I'm, Monday Night Football. I'm at these games sometimes, and sometimes it just feels like it's one long, <laughs> <laughs> one long production. Um, so, um, so far I've been off on a lot of things today, <laughs> and I apologize for that. I apologize to your listeners as well. Um, oh, in, oh, in terms of the schedule, I think the Giants did get royally gypped out of getting four teams. That's like 25% of their schedule is being played at teams that have extra time to take a look at them and extra time for rest. I, and they're, and they're, not to mention they're traveling. They're traveling all across the country with but, the but different the, time zones. And, and this but that's and that. not fair either because every team. I looked at the Cowboys schedule and the Eagles schedule. And it's the same. Obviously, the NFC East is making that change, uh, the change up for both, all those teams. Um, what well, you mean in terms of what they're playing the same team, so um, right. But like, in terms of the bye weeks, well, no, the bye weeks is a totally different thing. Yeah, I'm, that I'm is not even. That's my main th- issue. Okay, so your your main issue is the bye week. My main issue is the fact that three out of the last four weeks of the season, the Giants are playing NFC East opponents. That should be spread out during the season. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with them playing both on Christmas Eve and on Thanksgiving. I have a problem with both of that too. Um, obviously, when you I think the NFL has seven or eight marquee franchises, and then the other ones are just, you know, like Jacksonville and Indy are the ones you're not really paying too much attention to. New York, Dallas, um, New England, those teams are the ones that the Giants are good. They're going to showcase the heck out of mm-hmm. them. When they're bad and have two back-to-back six and ten seasons, mm-hmm. they're not going to give them much love. So I get it, and they want to put them in primetime positions, but they're not they are not really being fair with the scheduling in that situation. I agree. So. Especially, especially not even in terms of sh- being showcased, but being prepared. Like, how do you play four teams all after a bye week? A bye week is a huge thing, especially if there's, like, an injury, a tweaked hamstring. you got extra time to heal it for a main player, for example. You have more time to scheme, more time to strategize. Yeah, I just think it's ridiculous. But they're professionals. You know what I mean? That's Yeah, that's, but still. That, that, you know, like... A little rest goes a long way. I took two weeks off of this show. I have, <laughs> yeah, and you're, and you're killing it. Yeah, I put together a good show I, today. I it's feel like I'm feel like I'm hurting your mojo right now. <laughs> <laughs> little little rest goes a long way. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, you but, know, no, but I I agree with you. The scheduling is. I guess we, you and I both agree that scheduling is unfair, but for different reasons. And I yeah. th- and the Jets schedule. Look at the, again. You, 
if you're a Jet fan, you have to understand that this they're going to be doing the rebuilding thing for for a couple seasons, and it's hard to rebuild in New York. Ask the Knicks, ask the Rangers, ask any of these other teams. It's hard to be to be rooting for a team that's rebuilding. Look, I'm a Nets fan. We've only had like seven <laughs> good years in like in my 37 years of life. I only had seven years of celebrating my favorite sports and my favorite team. So I get it. I get the rebuilding thing, but Jets fans are just going to have to be patient. It's not a popular decision. Though. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the Jets were embarrassed by the Patriots on, uh, what was it, Thursday Night Football? No, it was I mean, maybe. Monday. I yeah, think so it, was it was Monday. Monday Night Football game, yeah. Yeah, they got a ba- I think the final score was like 41-3 to three or something. That's just embarrassing. I, I just think that puts them in a in a bad light. It puts an unnecessary spotlight on, on their rebuilding process, like you said, and an unnecessary magnifying glass. Like, I, I imagine the Jets like a little ant, and then being put on like <laughs> Monday Night Football, it's a magnifying glass and it's just burning them even more and so I'm happy I am happy the Jets are out of primetime games well, I, I think, think they have one they have a Thursday night versus the Bills in that stupid color rush thing well, and I think they um, every team is supposed to be, have at least one Thursday night or one Monday night game Like that's like the deal with the NFL with the TV scheduling and so on and so forth but I think them knowing the schedule makers knowing while they were putting this together that the Jets were going to be rebuilding that it's like okay good you know what I mean like let's not put them in that situation right right so. exactly all right, so I think that's going to do it for this week. Um, we had a very interactive audience here. We've had a speci- special in-studio guest here. So I next week... I don't know if it's special, but... <laughs> <laughs> next week, um, I'll, I'll play my conversation with Marty Appel. He's the author of Casey Stengel, Baseball's Greatest Character. Listen, my day job is a teacher, so you need to do a little bit of homework on Casey Stengel for next week. I would like to have a nice little discussion on that. Can I can I talk you into uh, coming on to off topic this week? Like, if not live in studio via phone, can we? Can we? If I don't know, we'll talk off air because I don't know what my schedule is for okay. Thursday. Uh, you know, I would do it. I just got to see if yeah, I'll of be course. able to. It's that's an open invitation for you know your audience and you to always come on our show. More than welcome to. We have some we have some fun this upcoming week. Uh, I, I got to wait for the official word before I make the announcement. But <laughs> it's going to be if if we get the guests who we're talking about getting, you guys are going to be laughing for a good twenty five minutes. <laughs> so um, and Randy, go ahead. You can plug your show there. Go ahead. Thank you. I appreciate it. Off topic every Thursday uh, through WRPR backsportspage dot com, which the relaunch. May 5th is officially the date. Uh, you know, 60-minute overtime as well as uh, Pro Sports Rundown has their own little section on there to uh, help our good friend Danielle over here. She's going to be uh, – sh- she's a superstar. You keep following her <laughs> and definitely, you know, there's only, there's only one of her and she's the best. So keep following her. And also next week we're going to have Mike uh, – is it Mike D'Antoni? Mike D'Antoni? Yeah, Mike D'Antoni. He's not going to be on here, but uh, he did say that uh, players should be paid – money for incentives for winning and stuff and i have a very strong opinion about that might that. be the dumbest comment i think i've ever heard so I, I, yeah. that'll, be ne- that'll be next week uh so we'll talk marty apple marty appel casey stengel mike d'antoni and any topic that you guys want me to cover for next week please feel free to tweet me at coach m-c-c-a-r-t-a-n on facebook.com slash coach mccartan prosportsrundown.com uh youtube search uh, coach Space M C C A R T A N. This is going to be turned into an iTunes podcast uh, probably today. <laughs> I'll do that. Coach McCartan there. Tune in radio, 60 minute overtime. Play.google.com slash Coach McCartan. Um, thanks for you guys checking me out on uh, Periscope live feed. You guys are great. And on uh, Facebook live, I couldn't get working today. I don't know why. So just a quick recap today's guests. Full interviews were Devin McCourty, New England Patriots wide receiver, two time Super Bowl champion, who most recently won Super Bowl 51. High school senior Becca Longo, the first female to sign a letter of intent to play football with a D2 school or higher. 
Then commentary, some color commentary from my interviews with Mohamed Sanu, Atlanta Falcons wide receiver, Henrik Lundqvist, New York Rangers goaltender, and Ryan Grant, Super Bowl winner with the Green Bay Packers. And uh, thanks to Randy Zellier for coming in live, checking in live here in the studio. Thank you for having me. I always appreciate it. All right. And uh, that's it. So I'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Next Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Follow me on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search with no spaces Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.